Welcome to the sermon podcast for Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Central South Carolina. We thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from the Word of God, and we pray that God will both bless you and speak to you as you listen and apply His Word to your life. If you would uh, look and go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 12. We're going to begin there, but I'm going to begin with a few thoughts. And again, I'm calling this connecting the dots, but also in reference tonight, because we've been reading in our, if you're reading along with us in our chronological Bible reading, uh, and, and again, I'm a little ahead of where you are as a church, if you're reading, or those that are reading along with us as a church. And again, each week on our Pleasant Hill Facebook page, I'm trying to post the reading schedule for that week uh, so that you can follow along with this. But you've been reading about uh, the exodus out of Egypt. You've been reading about the Levitical laws, the preparation of the tabernacle, so forth and so on. And you're uh, uh, getting to the place, you're, you're reading about those things, but you are reading about, and, and are going to be reading about, the children of Israel as they enter in. They've exited out of Egypt, and they're going to enter into the promised land. And of course, as you're reading, you come across the place, where the, you're going to come across the place where they at first refused to enter the promised land because of the spies' report and their lack of faith. And, but, of course, they will eventually, as you know, 40 years later, return back to the promised land and cross over, being led by Joshua, and into uh, Canaan and Jericho. But one of the questions I get quite frequently is why? Why did God give the land of, the, of Canaan, which belonged to the Canaanites, why did he give that to Israel? Why did he drive out the Canaanites and destroy and instruct the people of Israel to wipe out the inhabitants of Canaan and those surrounding the land of Canaan. Why did God do that? Is that fair? Is that just? Is that righteous? Explain that to me, Jonathan, or explain that to me, preacher. And while as a Christian, we certainly take the word of the Lord and God said it, and so that's good enough for me, but there's times that in my compassion, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, <clears throat> there's times that I look at the Egyptians and I wonder, why did God wipe out so many Egyptians? Why did God judge them? And he said, well, because they were uh, making slaves of the Hebrews. They were refusing to let them go. Well, yes, I understand that. But even that, why, you know, not just Pharaoh. Why the people of Egypt? Because Egypt has never been the same. And likewise, why the Canaanites? Why were they commanded to be destroyed, utterly driven out of where they lived? And it's a perfectly logical question. Again, God does things that don't always make sense to us, especially sometimes at first. Uh, but God has reasons for them, and God certainly lets us in on some of the reasons, and some of the reasons he will let us in on one day, perhaps. Uh, 
So therefore, was God justified in the judgments of Egypt and the destroying of the inhabitants of Canaan? Now, again, going back to Egypt, I just want to touch on this again, because I touched on this either a Sunday or a Wednesday before, that the people of Egypt, if we read about the Egyptians, they certainly were enslaving the people of the, the Hebrews, but also when it came to Pharaoh's command to, to kill all the male children that were born, First, it was the midwives that were instructed to do so, and they refused to. And then he turns and tells the people of Egypt, you kill the babies. And they did, at least as a whole. That doesn't mean every single one. In fact, there were some Egyptians that believed the word of the Lord, and they went with the Israelites into the promised land. <clears throat> but... In general, the people of Egypt were wicked, and God judged their wickedness. They were in part and parcel. They were in cahoots with Pharaoh and the worshiping of false gods and the, the sacrifices that were pagan and evil and wicked, and God allowed Egypt to be judged. But now, what about the Canaanites? I mean, we know, or at least if you've read, they did worship false gods, but was that enough? to justify what God did. Well, understand this. Number one, God is God. What he says is good enough for me, and it ought to be good enough for you. Because what he said was that through repentance and confession of your sin and faith in what Jesus Christ did in the cross, you can be saved and forever have a home in heaven. And so therefore, if we're going to believe that, we've got to believe every word of God because either we believe it all or we got to believe none of it because either it's all true or it's all a lie. And so therefore, God said. But also because God is God and he is creator. And he created the universe. He created the earth. He created life on the earth. And therefore, he can do what he will, whether it be through the flood, whether it be through the ten plagues, whether it be through the exile or the driving out of the Canaanites, the destruction of the Canaanites. God is the creator. God is God. And he, can, he is sovereign. He can do what he will. Bottom line, he is sovereign. He is ruler of the universe. He is ruler of your life. Whether or not we acknowledge him as ruler, he still is ruler. Whether or not we acknowledge the president, whether that had been uh, George Ronald Reagan or Bill Clinton or uh, George Bush, or, or, or whether that had been Barack Obama, or whether that had been uh, 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 Donald Trump, or whether that be Joseph Biden. Either way, no matter who, whether you want to say, that's my president, that's who I voted for or not, no matter what your political leaning, no matter who you voted for, the president is the president. Whether you want to recognize him as president or not, he still is the president. Therefore, just as God is God of this universe, whether we want to recognize him as such or not, or whether a person wants to recognize him as such or not, he still is. And you say, wait a minute, but isn't the devil the prince and the power of this present world? And yes, he is, because God allows him to be. Now, again, the devil is the one that seduced Eve and Adam in the garden and sin passed upon all men. And therefore, we, if without part from God, we are 
born into sin and therefore born, if you will, children of the devil. And God, through Jesus Christ, has bought us or redeemed us back as long as we turn to him by confession and faith. Then therefore, we are bought back, adopted back into the family of God. And so therefore, God is God. But still, Satan is the ruler of this present world because God allows him to be. And one day God will come and God will put an end to Satan's rule. And Jesus Christ will then rule and reign for a thousand years while the devil is bound. And then the devil will be loose for a short period. And then God and Jesus Christ will destroy him. And he will be cast into the lake of fire along with the false prophet and the beast. And, and, and with all that have rejected God will be cast into the lake of fire along with hell into the lake of fire, and then there will be peace and perfection forevermore, because he is God. And so, yes, the devil's prince of power of the air, but God is still a ruler, and the proof of that is the fact of what we see in Job, where Job has to get permission to touch the possessions of Job, and then he has to get permission to touch the life of Job, his body. God has to permit it. And so all things have to pass through the hands of God, and God can do with the Egyptians, God can do with the Canaanites what he will. Whether we like it or not, he can do it in your life. Whether you like it or not, God is God. He is sovereign. Number two, the reason that we can, now again, we're connecting the dots here, but the reason that God is justified in his judgments of the Canaanites, well, God made a promise. Now, God made a promise, and he made a promise, and he is a keeper of his word, and he is a keeper of his promises, and he is faithful. That's important to us today because we see that he promised to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and to Moses, and the children of Israel that they would enter into the promised land, and they did, and he gave them the land, and he did, just as he has promised us to always go with us, and he will, just as he promised to save us, and he has, if we've called on him, just as he promised to send the Messiah, which is the reason we can be saved, and he did, just as the reason that he will come back one day, and he will, just as he's prepared a place for us in heaven for those who are saved, and he is, God is a keeper of his promises. That's important. It's important that he keeps his word. God is justified because he will always keep his word. And I want you to see where God promised the children of Israel. And then we're going to connect some dots for you. I'm going to help you understand why God made the promise and why God then, uh, of course, we understand why God will keep the promise. But look, if you would, in uh, Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, now, this is the call of Abraham, or Abram at the time. And in the calling of Abram, we see this. Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and away from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land I will show thee. That was the first promise to give them the land of Canaan. Now, he hadn't named the land yet, or hadn't given that name Canaan land yet, but it was the promised land. In fact, we look over in verse 7, And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. Now what land was it? Well, verse 5 tells us. 
it was they go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through, in verse 6, on the land of the place of Sichem, under the plain of Morah, and the Canaanite was then in the land. So it was already being possessed by the Canaanites. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. So there is the promise of the Canaan land to be given to Abraham, to his descendants, in which would come. Then we also see the promise in Genesis 26, 3. Genesis 26, 3. Again, this promise didn't happen immediately. God promised the land, and he promised it to Abraham, but also to Abraham's son. 26, 3, it says, Sojourn this land, and I will be with thee, and will bless thee, for unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. And so he promised it to Isaac. And then over in 28, Genesis 28, verse 13. 2013, Behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and God of Isaac. The land wherein thou liest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. So again, there is three times, and actually there's a fourth time. Going back one more time to Genesis 15, we see the, the promise again given to Abraham. Let me read that to you again, or to, to you, we skipped over that. Chapter 15, Verse 15, and thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace, and thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And it came to pass that when the sun went down, it was dark. Behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. Now, let me stop right there. In, in the uh, verse uh, verse seven, uh, verse sixteen. In the fourth generation, they will come again hither, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Now we're going to come back to that thought, but again, we see the promise of the Canaan land that was going to be given to future descendants of Abraham. And he said, "The fourth generation." Well, that meant future generations, right? So here we are now. And we see that God has made this promise to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And then we see over in Exodus chapter 3. Now, God had also promised, I'm not going to make you, I'm not going to have you turn there because I'm going to run out of time. But God promised that he would give, uh, that Abraham's seed would be sojourners in a foreign land for 400 years. And then when they came out, they would enter the promised land. The foreign land, they're going to be foreigners, and they were going to be persecuted in is Egypt. And then we see that take place. We see they're made slaves in Egypt. We see that the children, the firstborn, or I'm sorry, the male children are born, they're born to the Hebrews, are killed by the Egyptians. But Moses his mother saves him alive, sends him down the river in a basket. He is found by Pharaoh's daughter and rescued. And then later, God calls Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egypt into the promised land. 
And in chapter 3, and in verse 8, and he says, I am come down of Exodus now, chapter 3, verse 8, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good land and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Perizzite and the Hivites and the Jebusites. <clears throat> now, once again, there's the promise. God is going to keep his promise. But there's another promise that God has made, and that is that he must judge sin. And so that's where we have to connect the dots. Why then were the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Jebusites, why were they destroyed and driven out of the land? Well, number one, go back to Genesis 15 again and look here and see. Genesis chapter 15. We're going to connect the dots now. I'm giving you the, the God is God. He is sovereign. I'm giving you God is promise maker and a promise keeper, and he keeps his word. But also now I want you to see that God must judge sin. And so that's why God is just. Look in Genesis 15 and verse 16. But in the fourth generation, they will come hither again for the iniquity, the sin, the wickedness of the Amorites is not yet full or is not yet complete or is not yet finished. They were wicked. People living in the land of Canaan, the Amorites, were wicked. But their wickedness hadn't come to fruition or hadn't been finished yet. And so, therefore, one day it would be and God would give it to the future descendants of Abraham. All right? So it wasn't yet complete. But now look over with me in Leviticus. Leviticus 18. This is where we really begin to see now, or we kind of see the picture. Because you still wonder, well, wait a minute, why did God, in he, I mean, if God is merciful and God is loving and God is gracious, then why did God destroy the Canaanites to give it to the Israelite people? It's a good question. But we see the final answer. We saw that their iniquity was not yet complete. But what was it that they were doing? Well, if we remember, God destroyed Simon and Gomorrah. Why? Well, in part because of their sexual impurity, in part because their sexual homosexuality, but it was their sexual perversion in general, was a major part that we see mentioned back in Genesis, and Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed. Well, if God is going to judge Sodom and Gomorrah for their sin, he's going to judge other people for their sin, including, by the way, his own people, and including, by the way, you and me, we will be judged for sin. Now, not eternally, because if you're saved, you've passed through the judgment, but we still have to, God still has to deal with sin. But here we see, read now, look, if you will, in Leviticus 18, and look in this verse 15. And really, all of 18, verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say to them, I am the Lord your God. After the doings of the land of Egypt, wherein ye dwelt, shall ye not do. And after the doings of the land of Canaan, whither I bring you, shall ye not do, neither shall ye walk 
in their ordinances. You shall do my judgments and keep my ordinances to walk therein. I am the Lord your God. So he says, don't do what the Egyptians were doing. Don't do what the Canaanites were doing. Now, what were they doing? Those are the people that God judged, or God judged Egyptians. He would judge the Canaanites. What were they doing? Well, I'm not going to read the whole rest of the chapter, but it deals with sexual sin in this chapter. Now, one of the things they were doing, we know, was they were not worshiping the God of the Bible. They were not worshiping uh, him. They said, well, they didn't know about him. Well, they still were doing all kinds of, of wicked deeds and things that were against humanity. In fact, we look down in verse 15, thou shalt not uncover the nakedness of thy daughter-in-law. She is thy son's wife. Thou shalt not uncover her nakedness. Thou shalt not uncover the nakedness of thy brother's wife. It is thy brother's nakedness. Thou shalt not uncover the nakedness of a woman and her daughter. Neither shalt thou take her son's daughter or her daughter's daughter to uncover her nakedness. For they they are her near kinswoman. It is wickedness. Neither shalt thou take thou take a wife to her sister to vex her to uncover her nakedness beside the other in her lifetime. And he goes on down. Uh, also thou shalt not approach. Uh, in fact, let's go down to verse 20. Moreover, thou shalt not lie carnally with thy neighbor's wife to defile thyself with her. Thou shalt not let any of thy seed pass through the fire to Moloch. Neither shalt thou profane the name of thy God, that's taking the God's name in vain, I am the Lord. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. That's homosexuality. It is an abomination. Neither shalt thou lie with any beast, that's bestiality, to defile thyself therewith. Neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down thereto. It is confusion. Defile not ye yourselves in any of these things. Now watch this. You say, okay, so what's that got to do with the Canaanites? It has to do with the Canaanites and the Egyptians. They were doing those things, but it says, for in all these, the nations are defiled, which I cast out before you. And the land is defiled. Therefore, I do visit the iniquity thereof upon it, and the land itself vomiteth out her inhabitants. Ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, and shall not commit any of these abominations, neither any of your own nation, nor any stranger that sojourneth among you. For all these abominations have the men of the land done, which were before you, and the land is defiled. That the land spew you not out also when ye defile it, as it spewed out the nations that were before you. Now, what that's saying is, this is the reason I'm driving them out. This is the reason that I chose this place for you, was because these people, not only are they not worshiping me, not recognizing me, not following my commandments, but they're going against everything that is an abomination before me. And so we make the connection, and you understand now why the Egyptians were destroyed, why the Canaanites were destroyed and judged, is because they were doing all kinds of wickedness, which, by the way, is why the inhabitants of the world of Noah and the flood were destroyed, is because the world was full of all kinds of wickedness, and the, 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 the nobody 
except for Noah and his family found Noah found grace in God's eyes. But the thoughts of everybody in the world then was wicked continually, the Bible says. And so understand it wasn't just God said, oh, okay, I'm just picking these people to wipe out. No, it was because of their wickedness. By the way, God judges Israel and the land spewed them out when they began to turn their back on God and violate and do the abominations just as the people of Canaan did. And so now we can connect some dots. I want to give you one last one, and I'm done. Look back with me. Now, God is God, and God knows everything. But look back with me in Genesis 6. Genesis 6. I'm sorry, not Genesis 6. <clears throat> look back with me in Genesis 9. Last thing, and I'm done. Genesis 9, verse 25 to 27. God knows everything. God knows what's going to happen before it ever happened. And I want you to see this and also see that God judges sin and God is just and God is righteous and connect the dot for you one more time. I hope that you've seen that I've connected some dots now. God's word connected some dots. This is why I'm giving you the land of Canaan. Why did God give Canaan to the Israelites? Because the people of the land of Canaan were wicked and doing abominations. So God gave it to his people. Why did God choose the Hebrews? Because he's God. Why did God choose Abraham? Because he knew Abraham would follow him by faith. But did God know what was going to happen before it ever happened? Absolutely he did. We saw that where he said, the Amorites' wickedness or iniquities are not yet full or complete. But also in Genesis chapter 9, look at this. Watch this. This is after the flood. Only people that are alive on the earth is Noah and his wife, his three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and their wives. And that right after the flood, we see the story of where Noah drinks too much wine, gets drunk, he's naked, and his son Ham comes in and sees him. And his son Ham goes out and tells Japheth and Shem, laughing it up and going, hey, check this out. Dad's drunk and naked. And they walked in backwards so they wouldn't look at him and covered him up. And God judges Ham. He said, what's I got to do with Canaan? Look with me in chapter 9. <clears throat> Verse 25. Verse 24, And Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done unto him, and he said, Cursed be Canaan. Now, what does that mean? Is he only cursing Canaan? No, he's cursing the descendants of Ham. Cursed be Canaan. A servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren. I mean, just, just Canaan? No. Ham's descendants. And he said, Bless the Lord God of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. Now, who were the descendants of Shem? The Hebrews, the Israelites. Canaan shall be his servant, and God shall enlarge Japheth, and he will dwell in the tents of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. And Noah lived after the flood 350 years, and all the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. 
The descendants of Canaan were going to be judged because of what Ham did. Do you know who the descendants of Canaan were? The Canaanites. That's why they're called the Canaanites. That's why it's called the land of Canaan. Because they were the descendants of Canaan. The son of Ham, who God said was going to be a servant and was going to be cursed because of what their father, forefather Ham, had done. Now, does that mean that they were only guilty because of Ham? No. We just talked about their wickedness. Connect the dots. There are several things in the Bible that you have to dig for and look for and go back and find. But they're there. There's other things that one day we're going to find out why. Why did God choose me? Why did God choose you? One day we'll find that out. Why did God choose me to be born in a place where I can hear about the Bible with parents that took me to church? Why did God choose me to be in a place that, that had Bibles in the home and Bibles on every table and Bibles in every bookshelf and, and a church in every corner? Why? Don't know. But I do know this, that one day the dots will be connected, and I hope they were connected a little for you tonight in his word. God is faithful. He is sovereign. He is righteous. Oh, look to him. Read his word. Understand his ways. Let's pray. We thank you for listening to this message from the Word of God. At Pleasant Hill, we desire to be a help and a blessing to you. If you have any questions or prayer requests, or if we can be a help to you in your walk with God, we invite you to contact us here at Pleasant Hill by visiting our website at phbc.online. Thank you, and may God bless you.